Welcome back to episode four of the Unknown TO podcast. Uh, we have a crazy episode for you guys. Uh, we're going to recap on a lot of things, including the Super Bowl, the halftime show. Uh, you know, we'll touch up on the Raptors and some NHL stuff. But uh, just wanted to check in with the other hosts. How was your Super Bowl weekend? Uh, what was it like? Did you guys uh, spend some time with the family during this quarantine? You know, you know, I had about well, like, you know. Two hundred people came over to the house, you know. Good old party, you know. We uh, played some exactly. football in the backyard, you know, and um, you know, football. No, Had uh, some pints. God, imagine, imagine if actually two hundred people. Oh, I would die. It's more like three hundred, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. More like yeah. four hundred and eighty-seven people showed up to my house. I don't know why I turned into this voice, but this is what I'm going with. These are the kind of people that All don't right. listen. So we're gonna rec- <laughs> we're gonna recap the Super Bowl. Uh, we're gonna talk about the flags because uh, seems like they were the star of the show, halftime show, including the weekend that was on the weekend. And then we're gonna talk about Tom Brady and touch back up on why he is the real goat of goats. So uh, just to start, the score, if nobody knew, uh, Tampa Bay uh, absolutely obliterated. Kansas City, 31 to 9. Uh, they never gave Mahomes a chance to, to work. So how, what does that say uh, based on the last meeting that they had where Mahomes just absolutely torched their defense? What does it say? Did they learn from their mistake and did they capitalize on his his uh, aggressiveness to run or what? So a few key points there. Um, they learned, definitely. They picked up on how to work better in the backfield. I thought that. Um, but also, there was two two inside centers who were injured for the uh, Kansas City Chiefs, and those were two of their starters. So they had two backups um, playing starter minutes and the uh, most important game of the year. I'm sure nerves were definitely a factor, and then you take into account they're going against starters who play week in and week out, and if you start, you're quite frankly, you're just better than someone who isn't a starter. So that... Um, if you watched the game, you saw how much um, – what's his name? Had to scramble in the pocket. Mahomes. Mahomes looked like yeah, a Mahomes. chicken running around with his head cut off, running around in the pocket, not to mention the amount of times he was sacked. I felt bad for him by the end of the game. I almost – I actually thought he was going to leave injured, but I'm glad he didn't. Yeah. Uh, at least anything no, that we he, saw. No, he uh, – so he had turf toe, and they knew that going in because he caught that uh, when they played. Yeah, I was aware of that. A couple I was aware back. of that. So he he pretty much pay, played through, but I guess it was during the game where it just started getting aggressive because he he was just running so much he was running for his life his his defense couldn't hold them. So I mean, stat wise, he had twenty six completions, forty nine attempts, two hundred and seventy yards, uh, no touchdowns, but two interceptions. He did everything he possibly his, could, though. He could. I mean, he hit a lot of face masks. You know, process, it reminded me of um, Cam Newton. When he was in the finals with mm. the Carolina Panthers, he he had no help. His receivers weren't helping him either. Like his his o, his O line was not helping his receivers, and same thing running around. Yeah, Corey, what's your take on it? Football. We'll get to. I don't know. Like it was an interesting game. I thought it was going to be a lot tighter. Um, maybe the. Yeah, maybe I think the home field that, advantage actually, you know, like maybe that's what it was. Like it actually takes effect, you know, because they were playing in Tampa and it was a Tampa Holy. team and there was fans in the stands. Mm-hmm. Um, like it, it maybe mm-hmm. that was it because we haven't really seen that in what a year and a half now. Um, <laughs> some people, some people, sorry, some people say that Roger Goodwin, I think that Roger, no, not Roger Goodwin, Roger yeah. Goodell, sorry. Um, he he did this spe- specifically so that Tom Brady would win. So wherever Tom Brady goes, there's always some sort of storyline <laughs> that follows it. Uh, there was the Deflate Gate that one year, and then the other year there was some other net, like craziness. Uh, and then this year, all of a sudden, it's the first time that the home team is playing in the same city as you know the Super Bowl. Now there's fans. I allowed. think that's just like they had apparently they had seventy five hundred health. 
They had 7,500 healthcare workers, but they also had like 8,000 fans. 7,500 fans. So, like, when did they announce Tampa was hosting putting... the Super Bowl, though? And then when did they announce that Tom Brady was going? Last, last, they, they announced it. They announced the like, year before the next, like, two or three Super Bowls, okay. like the year yeah. before or something. Like, and it's kind of like Tom how they Brady do, say he was like, going to Tampa. Stadium. So, it was already. This was his what? This is his first season here. Yeah, so last but it wasn't year. at the same time. So they announced it close but enough. I'm assuming Super Bowl was announced before. So if Tom Brady, if they, so if, if exactly, so if the Super Bowl is announced, let's say uh, three or four months before the signing process, that gives Tom Brady the amount of time to see what team he wants to go to, what team he's going to carry to the Super Bowl. And this year, he decided, let me call Gronk up, get him out of retirement, and let's go win them a Super Bowl. And Roger's like, okay, sounds like a good storyline. We'll work with it. And here we are, seven Super Bowl rings. There's, I'm not knocking you know, it. I'm you know, there's it, uh, there's but... something to that because there's um, there's a saying when it comes to professional sports, uh, especially the NBA. Like, there's always some sort of storyline, right? They um, they pick and choose the players who they want to um, show off the most. Um, who can honestly gain them the most money and usually have the most appeal. Like a lot of people think that the most valuable player to the NBA is LeBron James. It's actually Giannis Antetokounmpo. And I'll tell you why. Because Giannis is international. He's an international star. He represents Mm -hmm. people from Africa and he represents people from Europe. You can go. You can go anywhere in Africa or anywhere in Africa where they play basketball or they're basketball. They'll know who Giannis is. And same thing in Europe. Yeah, no, you're right. Um, um, I just think that there's always some sort of storyline with. Brady, yeah, but I'm gonna I'm gonna read hold, on, hold on, hold on, hold I mean, on. Just go back to game. the whole conspiracy theory of them putting the game in Tampa and then Brady going to Tampa. I just looked it up. The NFL owners voted unanimously in 2017 that the this Super Bowl would be played in Tampa. Mm. So this was 2017 they moved it there. Okay, so he had plenty of time. <laughs> okay. So it's he just had a plenty coincidence. Of time, so he knew he was leaving the Patriots. He's like, I can't win with. Yes, those. it is. Hey, it's too long of a time for him to be planning this no, stuff out. Because no, 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 no. And I'll tell you why it's not a coincidence. Because I have another thing revolving uh, involving what. So is he going to an about. LA team then? Because LA's right hosting in twenty twenty two. So is he going to an LA team? I don't know. <laughs> He's. No, you know what? You know what? You know what, boys? It's a good theory, and there could be something to that. So I, I suggest if you're listening and you're interested, look into it more or just let us know what you think about it. Uh, yeah. So Tom Brady had 21 completions on 29 attempts, 201 yards, three touchdowns. Uh, I mean, Leonard Fournette had uh, 16 carries, 89 yards, one touchdown. And his highest receivers were uh, Rob Gronkowski, uh, Fournette, and Evans all uh, hidden over 30 yards. So, I mean, a lot of, missing one lot name of good things here. Rob Gronkowski, six receptions. You're missing one name. No. Mike no. Evans. Mike Evans had no. one reception. The man who scored a touchdown, who we thought would never play in the NFL again. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Sorry, sorry. He's so <laughs> low on the thing because he didn't average that many yards, but he did get the touchdown. I will say that. He got me He got me in my, my cash-in on that bet. Antonio Brown. Five receptions, 22 yards, one touchdown, six targets. Uh, that man had a lot of baggage coming into the Super Bowl. A lot of people didn't think he would make it. So kudos to him uh, for finally getting to that that holy grail and, and getting the – That was a, a wild a Super Bowl. year <laughs> I know. He wanted to be a rapper. He wanted to kick his wife out. He oh, wanted to he accept got, his wife back. What was it? He got kicked out of Oakland. Was it Oakland first or was it Pittsburgh first? Yeah, yeah. For the helmet. <laughs> so so he got kicked out of he got kicked out of the Patriots, I think, because oh, no, Tom Brady was... was there. Then he went to Oakland, got kicked out for the helmet. No, I think it was Oakland first. He signed with Tom Brady again in Florida. Oakland first. Oakland first? Okay, 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 okay. I thought it was I thought it was no, the other Oakland way first. Um, and then he went to the Patriots and then the Patriots cut him. And then he went through that phase where he didn't know what he was doing. He just basically went off the rails. And then um, Tom Brady basically gave him a call 
And obviously he has the power and he was, he was actually living in Tom Brady's guest house for a while. I'm not sure if he finished the season there, but that was one of the things when he first started was uh, Tom Brady was kind of like his manager, player manager, so to speak, keep yeah. him under control. So it ended up mm-hmm. for both of them working out well. So kudos, kudos, kudos yeah, to both of them. Kudos to well. Brady for recognizing a real talent and wanting to get helping him get it back into league. And uh, he was living his to, guest um, home, right? Yeah, he was living in his guest home. Dang. He was living in his guest and house. And kudos yeah. to Antonio Brown for uh, keeping it together. Keeping it together. Yeah. But uh, let's talk about so let's, the one of the biggest parts of the game, the flags. <laughs> flags. Okay. okay. Flags talk about are it. You, were, you were super heated about this in our group chat. You were, you were talking oh, all the time about So the for those of you who are unaware – the Kansas City Chiefs got absolutely wrecked by flags. Quite frankly, they probably got the game stolen from them, some would say. Um, I mean, I personally, I was uh, hoping that um, Brady would win. So I was obviously happy with it. But in total, they got eight mm-hmm. flags called against them to Tampa Bay's one. For a total of 95 yards versus five yards in penalties in the first half. And six of those nine penalties resulted in first downs. And if you know football, that changes the tune of a game, changes the, how the game is going to go. So there was one specific one where it was a fourth down punt and they were offside on the punt. Or Kansas City was offside on the punt and the referees called it and that resulted in Tampa Bay being able to get a first down and they proceeded to score on that drive. And I believe that at that point... That made the game fourteen to three because it was seven three. That made it fourteen mm-hmm. to three. So that's a big turning point. Changes emotions. Yeah. You know, now you got to kind of re-strategize a bit what you're going to do on offense because it was that was at some point close to the end of the first or just at the beginning of the second quarter. Yeah, no, I remember that. Mm-hmm. You're right. Um, I think the flags did definitely play a factor. I think I can't disagree when I say Kansas City got shafted, but I was also on the receiving end of like I wanted Brady to win, so it helped me in that way. But in the in the end, I think you're right. Like 95 yards on flag is just that's pretty much the length of the field. You pretty much got basically a whole touchdown yeah. in flags, right? So that's 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 a free touchdown uh, for the other team. Like when you think about it, it's just it's simple simple as that. So. <laughs> Some would say that it's also, like you said earlier in the podcast, the, the nerves for some of those guys uh, and just playing. I, even though they won last year, I'm not sure how much of their core stayed with them. I don't know how, how it works with football. I don't know how many players left or new players they got. But um, could have been just the nerves. Like you're going up against Tom Brady. Like he's a elusive star. Like everybody on that team has probably looked up to that guy in some shape or form. So you definitely – have that mindset of like this is going to be an intense yeah, game. Last year. It just happened to be. Uh, yeah, they didn't. The they, they play them last year. They. Uh, you sure they did? Did they? I, I, I'm asking an honest question. I'm pretty I, I sure they did. Because who else would they have played? Uh, 2020 Super Bowl. I mean, I'm pretty I, sure they did. Oh, no, they played the 49ers. They played. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I was going to say. Okay. I thought the Patriots I don't think they did. That's my bad. Yeah. No, 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 no. I was, I was surprised that everyone was surprised that the 49ers made it because it was like the first time they made it since that. Uh, oh, Garoppolo they played the Ravens was that in the quarterback. Final, That's that whole, right. Jimmy G. Shout out Jimmy G. Yeah, yeah. Jimmy, Jimmy G left. Jimmy G left the Patriots and started the and was the starting quarterback for the 49ers. Mm-hmm. So that's what happened. Um. Yeah. Uh. So yeah. We'll, what about the weekend? Shout out to Scarborough. Did you guys catch that? Shout out to shout out to my fellow Africans, Ethiopia. Yeah. I'm Kenyan, but shout out to the Ethiopians. <laughs> so. So the weekend had uh, a really good halftime show. I'd say one of the best ones in a while. Um, from what I've seen in the last couple of years, the best one. Um, he, put all, <laughs> he he put a lot of money into it of his own. 
I didn't know that the Super Bowl halftime show artist didn't get paid, but apparently he put that's seven crazy. million of his own money in just so he could have a that's crazy. A, that's a huge. Show. And I think flex. it worked out well. Yeah. So I mean, he's like. From my point of view, I love the fact that it touched on a lot of his yeah. like major hits. But there was a couple of songs where it caught me off guard that he put into his set. Um, and I think that was cool. I think that it, it brought the nostalgia feeling right. to his, his um, true OG fans. Uh, the the set was mm-hmm. gorgeous. All like I think he transferred to like three different sets, like three different yeah, like stage areas. Million dollars. The the scene in yeah the scene in the mirror. Like that whole mirror area, yeah, like that all those gifts trippy. that you guys see are the mirrors yeah. of him looking around. Yeah, yeah, that was that was trippy. I'm not gonna lie, and um, I just think I think uh, I also caught him in the red jacket, and it looked like he was wearing like some sort of like it, in my it looked like a Michael Jackson type of. Fit, I thought he was his shoes were and the well. red jacket. I think he was. Interesting. Yeah, I, I thought he was, that. I think he was wearing a glove. Um, I can't be sure. I can't. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he said himself that he wanted it to play a storyline and his fans to just well, come up with a story. So I heard one. I heard one. He's actually I kind of agreed with. Have you heard any of the storylines that people have come up with so far? Okay, so I've heard this one. None. No. Um. So you know. So basically, the way he was dressed and the way he looked was the same that he's looked in all the music videos, uh, and like all his other performances and all the award shows this mm-hmm. past year. Um, it's the same jacket, same suit, same everything. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, and if you remember, like the first time he performed at one of the yeah. like the Grammys or whatever it was, he had like bruises all over his face. Then he had bandages on his face in a music video. Then he had all the, like yeah. in his last music video, his face was all like plastic surgery warped. Right. Yeah. So mm-hmm. that was all. This was all part of that story. Uh, and the way it starts is like in the, in the performance at the Super Bowl, he comes out in front of this choir, right? He's an innocent man. He's just trying to make a living as an artist, trying to make a living as a singer, right? In Hollywood. And then when he goes in to that mirror room, he's blinded by the lights, right? Like that's why there's so many lights in there. He's bl- actually literally blinded mm. by the lights. And then you see all these alternate versions of himself come out with the bandaging on their face because now He's changing himself. He's getting the plastic surgery. Yeah, He's making that. himself yeah. become what like the societal norm is or whatever, right? And then uh, then we see him after that. He comes out on top of that stage, on top of like the city, and you see the skyscrapers, you know, underneath him kind of thing, right? And, you know, he's on top of the world. So, yeah, he did that, yeah. and he got his fame, and he got his, you know, his height and his popularity, but then it cuts to him on the field, surrounded by the alternate versions of himself again and they all then end up dying because even though he hit the fame he still you know wasn't who he was right and i was like damn that's a that's a story a comic that is a coming that of an intense for the weekend. Weekend. yeah that is, that is cool. yeah and like just the, the whole thing of like <laughs> yeah. celebrity so, and hollywood and downtown kind of stuff. but you know what like the weekend himself is just such a mysterious character that 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 just fits so perfectly. Sometimes, sometimes I wish that nobody cut his hair. I think one year, I, I think there was that that year that he got his hair cut. It wasn't him that personally cut it. Somebody he was at a party and somebody snipped his hair off. I just think if he had his hair, it would make the Super Bowl show half like ten times better. Just seeing his <laughs> hair like bounce around and stuff. But that's just like yo. If someone cut my right. hair, I would be pissed. Uh, so that's a fight. Yo, somebody, somebody cut that's his hair. That's a fight, God. and then I'm gonna sue <laughs> after that. What, yo? You're gonna get knocked yeah, out, but and imagine, then you're gonna have to pay having... me after I knocked you out. How dare you? Imagine, imagine having like one of three bundles of weekend yo, hair. People, like, bro, people are how so would you even try Who and market that? want to buy it? Like, what do you do with that? That's like, do you cut it into like, like kind of tiny little? Yeah, but Matt, Matt, it, think like, about you know, the like when you get yo, I cut them I into slices the and sell it. Like buying that. it more. Think about it. <laughs> what the hell? What in the world are you gonna no, do with a strand or a clump of hair? You're gonna put it on display and say this is the weekend's hair. Yo, that is mad weird, and I want to stay very, very, very far away from you. <laughs> 
All right. Well, we when we when we find someone, we'll stay far away from them. Don't even uh, let me know. Do you guys them, want? To I don't even want to know. <laughs> no, I'm gonna let you know. I'm personally gonna let you. Know. I'll get them to let you know that they they found me. Um, but are we gonna touch up on Tom Brady and his seven rings? I think he has more Super Bowl rings than a lot of the franchises. In, well, he is the most any quarterback, is, right? By golly, wow, that's a lot. He's got seven uh, yeah, now, hundred percent, without a doubt. I think him and Robert Horry are, and are he the is... only ones that have seven. I know Bill Russell has eleven. And Matt, you nailed like, it. That's just Matt, like, you nailed that he has more than any other team. Come on. The Steelers have six and Patriots yeah. have six. 49ers yeah, have yeah, five. Yeah. Cowboys have five. Yeah. And Brady yeah, caught all six for got... Patriots. Yeah. Yeah, Brady got Brady got like pretty much all six for yeah. the Bro, that guy should be the new NFL logo. <laughs> Put some respect on his name like you, like the NBA. Well, I mean, did they don't the really have a logo. It's a... Yeah, I know, I know. Crazy that Jerry West is their silhouette. Right? People you, still want to change. Think it'd be Jordan. Great silhouette. Nah. No, nah, I don't think it would be Jordan because then it's just not. It looks cool though. You know? The Air Air Jordan has the logo. Of course, yeah, it would. but that logo is its own thing now. Of course, it would, but you know, it's just all very true. For that. Yeah, like you can't. Yeah, that's that's Air Jordan, right? Like that's Jordan. Honestly, he's yeah, got it's got I'd a nice shape to it. One of the two, either one like is good between. It does. I, I'm not yeah. mad at it at all. All right. Well, speaking of the NBA, we're going to transition over to the Raptors. We're going to talk about them for a second. Um, we didn't necessarily get to touch up on this last week, or I think when it happened. But uh, if you haven't heard that name, you, you have now because bet on yourself. That man got paid. He grinded from 2016 to undrafted, G League champion, NBA champion, shoe deal, massive contract, and now he is a Raptors record holder. Uh, did you guys catch that game? I think it was a couple nights ago. Uh, let me double yeah, check. January, January, or no, sorry, February yeah, he 2nd. snapped, bro. Beginning My guy, February. Freddie V, bet on yourself. Like he, he was locked in. He couldn't miss. He, like, mm-hmm. he, no, he honestly no. looked like Steph that night. And we all know how good Steph is. Yeah. I mean, yeah. bro, he had, he has mean, the highest I mean, shooting, yeah. Yeah, he has I the highest was... true shooting percentage in NBA history with 100, 100.1%. Like, not even Steph touched that. I think the cl- next closest was KD or Kyrie with 96%. And this was back in tw- – I think it was Kyrie back mm-hmm. in 2017. Wow. Oh. Okay. Okay. That's a crazy yeah. stat. Um, so what did, what did you guys think? I'll, I'll read the stat line for you. Uh, and then if you remember little clips from the game, we can just talk about that. But uh, he played 37 minutes, uh, 54 points, 17 from 23 from the field for 73.9%, 11 for 14 uh, at the three uh, beyond the arc for 78.6%. Some people, including me, thought he might break the single game record that Clay ta- set. 14 um but he was close that he was really close 100 percent from the free throw uh nine for nine he had three defensive rebounds uh two assists three steals three blocks one turnover and two fouls for a plus 20 rating i mean that's 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 an insane stat line and that's more than what i would ask for from in this case your second point guard your shoot your star shooting guard your first shooting guard second point guard that's more than enough than I can ask for. But I think what this says is, you know, this is his time. This is his team. He feels like he can lead them to the, to the next the contract represents the, it, the Toronto but... Raptors. Yeah. So I think this is going to be one of those. This is that show me why you paid me to be here. You know, like, let me have control of the team. But that's going to segue into another topic later. What do you guys think? Uh, was it Orlando's fault? Could anybody really stop him? Is it just one of those nights in the NBA where you just kind of have to throw what you got on him and hope for the best? Because I think they, they tried that and it didn't really work. But I want to hear your guys' perspective on it. Yeah. I, uh, Corey, I'll let you go. Yeah. I don't know. Like I think Freddie's just – Freddie's one of those guys where like when he gets in a rhythm, it's hard to break him out. Like I'm just thinking back to playoff Freddie – like mm-hmm. I'm thinking back to, to you know, fourth quarter, Freddy, fourth like, quarter, Freddy. The man gets like the man yes, gets sir. in a zone and 
Like, even Golden State couldn't get him out of it. Bro, he hit some serious, important daggers against Golden State. I, I can yeah, think no, specifically back – I think it was game game six in the, in the fourth quarter. It was like two minutes left. There, there was a couple of possessions there where he just he, – he hit what the shots we needed. Yeah, no, 100%. Uh, I'm just looking at his stats over the last five years since – with well, I mean, since he's been with us. And progressively, he's gotten better uh, throughout the whole – nine cat of his career so right now 24 games played 36 minutes per game averaging uh he's averaging 20 points uh 41 percent from the field 37 percent from the three-point line 90 percent from the free throw uh he's averaging 4.3 rebounds six and a half assists uh, 1.8 steals uh 1.9 turnovers and two power uh personal fouls per game and that's that's not bad. Like he's like, I don't know. I think I think what I think I'm hoping that Fred Van Vliet will uh, soon take over the team. No diss to Kyle Lowry. I think what we need from him is to sh- maybe shift over as an advisor role or uh, more of a diminished role, um, playing less minutes, more of like a a veteran present on the bench, and let some of these young guys kind of get their their feet wet after this tiny little G League bubble season. Like Malachi Flynn, Jalen Hurts, these guys should be thrown up in the process. Uh, let them get their, you know, their reps in and really get a taste for that NBA talent. Because a lot of these teams are throwing their young guys in. It's a shortened season. Um, you know, some of them didn't opt in for the G League bubble, so they have no choice but to throw in their rookie matchup. So um, it'd be good basketball too, in my opinion. But if you guys want to touch up on this, uh, let's hear your thoughts. I think Freddie's going to be an All Star next season. <laughs> Just off the pace he's going, I think he like you can argue this season, but um, I just don't know if he has the respect yet from the fans around the league. Like he has the respect from the players, but we know the player the players mm-hmm. our opinion is completely and often different from the fans. Like they align somewhat, but there's guys out there who fans um, are hard on, but or they don't think is that are that good. And then you talk to players about them, like this guy's the real deal. Right, so yeah. personally, I think by by the time next year comes around, we'll see we'll see him in the All Star game. And your point about Kyle, <clears throat> I think uh, we might see a trade coming soon. Not sure to where. Not sure. I don't want to see him go, but uh, I don't want to see him go either. But I think it's time. To yeah, just kind of. To get it to get that process started. Yeah. Also, the amount of money he makes is not a, is not ideal for um, what the Raptors need right now. Like you, you could take that money and you can put it into maybe someone who's younger and could change your franchise for the better even more, or into two solid NBA players who can change your franchise for the better. But he's he's done his thing for us here. To me, he goes down as the greatest Raptor in history. I mean, he's been here yeah. from the times where we didn't even have, like, nationally televised games. You really only watched the Raptors in Toronto or when, like, yeah. a superstar team came here, like the Lakers or something, to mm-hmm. bringing us to a chip with Kawhi. And, I mean, a lot of people yeah. think Kawhi was, like, the number one reason the Raptors won. And I have to, I have to say, in my opinion, you're wrong. Like, it was a group effort. But the the guy the the engine that makes the Raptors run is Kyle Lowry. Kyle Lowry plays. Yeah. He's the heart, hustle, and soul of the Toronto Raptors. He embodies what it means to be a Toronto Raptor. And I'm really glad we had the opportunity to have him in our organization and the opportunity to witness what he's been able to done to do. And all I have to say is, when are we building the statue? Uh, soon, soon, very soon. Um, speaking of money issues and stuff like that, I'm going to quickly say my piece on the Lowry thing, and then we'll jump over to the GM situation. Um, Lowry's contract is definitely a a very big, sizable one. And a lot of teams are kind of interested in that player or in this player because he brings such a nice veteran present. Miami I hear is in the mix. Uh, I think that we should maybe try and pursue Philly, maybe get some players, give him to his hometown, let him finish his career there. And he could also win another chip there if 
if he's lucky with the uh, you know Embiid and Ben Simmons. But on the other hand, uh, I wouldn't want to see him go until maybe the end of the season, just so that we could finally get like you know a farewell season without knowing, just so it catches us off guard. I would rather prefer that instead of knowing the Toronto Raptors have traded Kyle Lowry too. You know, it just hurt more. Uh, but GM Bobby Webster got an extension. And my question on that would be, do you think it's his time to build the team? And what does this say for Masai Ujiri? So Masai said in a couple of seasons ago and every off season that his main focus is getting the main guys signed, like Freddie, Pascal, OG, including GM Bobby Webster, um, before he focuses on his own contract talks with MLSE and uh, Larry Tannenbaum. So does this give good signs that he's going to stay? Or do you think he leaves and leaves the team in Webster's hands? Um, personally, I don't think Messiah is going anywhere. I think he's just dealing with, dealing with what he has to deal with first before he takes care of himself. I mean, he has a proven track record. Uh, mm-hmm. The only... Like that's quite clear. The only the only thing I see, the only possibility I see Masai leaving, is if he chooses to leave on his own. I don't see MLSE firing him, letting him go. I think it would be a personal decision that, hey, I've done what I I came to do here. I left it in a better place. Time for me to move on with my own career. That's that's the the only way I can see him leaving. But in terms of – because remember, Bobby Webster is a GM and Masai is the president. They serve two different roles, right? Yeah, but if if Masai leaves, then Bobby Webster would most likely get that promotion, which would probably be what he wanted in that sense, right? He would, yes, but also also as Masai, you cannot let your GM, one of the best GMs in the league, go. Right. Exactly. Like that's that's just yeah. a boneheaded decision. So you got to like I think that plays a huge part into why he got re-signed. Right. It's like when they re-signed mm-hmm. Nick Nurse. Right. He wins Coach of the Year. You know, your GM yeah. just helped you get to a cha- help you win a championship. Because just as much as Masai is, um, Masai is basically the figurehead. Right. Everyone knows Masai. But yeah. these these guys are Bobby Webster is just as important, if not more important. I don't know the, how the inner workings work, but as Masai Ujiri. Yeah, no, that's fair. That's a fair statement. Corey, do you have anything to speak about on the Webster? Um, I mean, you can read this. You can read this two ways. You can read so this two ways. One you can way? read it as he's – so in one way, he's staying. The other way, he's leaving. Because, like, so he, he said that – or the report's saying that he said that he was trying to get everybody else in place, right? So you can read that in the first way as he's leaving. So I've gotten everybody in place and I'm out, right? Yeah. Because I've already given you everybody who can keep this thing going and now I'm going to go do my own thing somewhere else. Or you can read it as, okay, I've gotten everybody else safe. Everybody else has their money. I can then take, you know, a pay hit if need be or whatever. And I'm here for the team. Yeah. Right? So yeah, I guess it's that's uh, the t- like a... Uh... Half, That's the uh, two cup, ways half I see full, it. Half empty. Yeah. No, no. It's a good, good way of looking at it. Um, so you're there, buddy? NBA all Big yawn. Uh, yeah, big yawn. Big yawn, you know? Just, <laughs> it's one thirty, Matt. Wake up! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no morning uh, coffee. NBA All-Star. No, no morning coffee. Not right now. Not the best time for morning coffee. NBA All-Star NBA game All-Star. in Atlanta. This is still pending. May not happen with everything going on, but they did announce that they're trying to no way get it happen. going. And they have opened up the voting. So I'll start there. Uh, other reports are saying that it's going to be one night in Atlanta. So a weekend, we're just going to get the whole thing done in one day. Also, supposedly and allegedly, however you want to take it, it's going to have a slam dunk contest and the three-point contest, just like normal with the regular all-star game included. And maybe a skills competition. So the whole weekend just piled up into one extravagant day. Um, so what do you guys think? What like what is what do you guys feel? Should they just uh, cut the All Star game out? Because some of those players are saying uh, this is just like risking their health at this point for money, and some of them might not do it. So 
What do you guys think? Man, none of this makes sense. Like, we all know there's COVID. Whether you like it or not, you have to, you can't ignore it. Mm-hmm. Right? And the NBA, if they're doing this for money, it's, it's a business. We can all understand that. But the fact that they're putting their players' health at risk, that, that's crazy. But again, it's a business. And I mean, a lot of employers are willing to do that to earn themselves a couple of extra dollars and increase their bottom line. I mean, the current cases in Georgia are sitting at 924K, so almost a million, and currently 14,850 people have died in that state. And you're telling me you want to send the cream of the crop of your league, your moneymakers, your players there, to play in an all-star game that doesn't even matter or doesn't affect the standings, whatnot. Mm-hmm. It's just to get you more money and to make your fans happy. And you probably and on top of that, they'll probably have fans in attendance. Just like the NFL. So if they do that, it's uh probably won't end up very well. Yeah, no. Corey. Okay. Listen to this. I just thought of I'm something. Listening. And we all agree that this is dumb, right? They shouldn't be doing the All-Star game, right? Yeah. But let's say um, now you still want to have All-Stars. Okay, you can release the, you can still let the fans vote and get involved and vote for a list of All-Stars and be like, okay, these are our All-Stars for this year. There won't be a game, but you at least get to see who they are, right? And you can respect the players that way. But then you mentioned like the three-point uh, competition stuff. What if you just... Rec- like get every player who wants to compete in like the 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 three like the dunk competition and the three point competition like record themselves on their courts, you know, in their stadiums and have the fans vote it, for them and then have the fans vote online and stuff and do like a bracket or something. Yeah, that works. Like in today's that's technology, an idea. yeah, that's a really good a idea. virtual dunk contest, virtual three point contest. Yeah. Well, the no, three point's it's... different because it's not so much like a rating thing, but like like the dunk would work. Right, because a dunk would be like, well, oh, yeah, I well, like this dunk more. Three, I like that dunk even more. for three point, even for three point, well, you three can have them set up the racks. Yeah. yeah, but that's what I'm saying. So you can have them set up the racks, and like they're being recorded on some sort of camera with a camera crew there, mm-hmm. and then they put the timer on the shot clock, and you just go from court to court to court. Yeah, no, yeah. that works. I mean, both both those options are you know, viable. Um, instead of having it in one arena with all of them. But I will say this. The NBA, I think out of all of the major leagues, does a really good job with their testing. And I know that's weird saying that because they have a lot of uh, postponements. But, but if you look at the NHL, Durant. they, like, I don't know if they necessarily screwed up with Durant. Like, I think what they're then doing Then why is- was he not allowed to play, then allowed to play, then not allowed to play in, like, the course of two quarters? Like, come on. So basically what I was reading was at the beginning of the game, he had to do contact tracing. So off the bat, uh, he wasn't going to be playing uh, as a starter. Not necessarily him not playing, but he wasn't going to start that game because he needed to go through the protocols of contact tracing. Now, Mm -hmm. from the time that the contact tracing, like his piece of that pie, right? When he finished doing the contact tracing stuff, he's now allowed to go on the court. So Steve Nash puts him in. Go log as many minutes as you can. Go play as much as you can, because he knows that, you know, there's probably going to be something that comes up. You don't just do contact tracing and nothing pops up. Right. So they had to come back and they told Nash like, yo, this test wasn't inconclusive. Like it's uh, there's somebody that he touched was positive. So he's got to get off the court. And now he's got to do all of this stuff. So they instantly had to pull him off because that's just the way the, the league rules are. I think it's just, yeah, I think it's just as simple as that. Like, and especially, and if then not, you shouldn't have been allowed any, to play in the first place until we but, got the yeah, hundred percent. But the no. rules doesn't don't don't say that, and they rushed all, it. Yeah, they're they, following they, the rules. They, but so no, but technically, I I'm get what I hear Brooklyn. what you're saying. But I get why Brooklyn. No, no, no. I'm no, saying, I'm the, saying NBA. the NBA and Brooklyn. Oh, I know, but, but based I'm, off of the rules, I get what you're saying, Matt. But based off off of the rules, I would think that if a test comes back inconclusive, regardless of who it is, like Corey said. That player should not be allowed to enter the game or a practice or any NBA facility until the test does come back conclusive because you run that risk of if the test does back 
come back conclusive and he is positive or they are positive, then now look how many people you've like if he if he came back and it comes back comes back positive, I don't think it did. I didn't hear the results. Um, now the whole Raptors have to quarantine. And the Raptors say they go and they get in contact with their family and the net the Nets players with all of their family and their staff and their family and it just becomes it becomes basically a quota like a spreading event basically and that's what mm-hmm. the protocol is trying to avoid. So they kind of didn't do themselves any favors with the way they went about it. No, that's fine. From my in my opinion anyways and from my perspective. I agree. Um, so that's that's but, all I'm trying to say is like if they can't handle one player, what's and, and one of their star players too, like Kevin Durant's Kevin Durant, right? And then you're gonna mm-hmm. say, okay, now LeBron, KD, you know, all these guys are gonna come to one city, and like what's gonna happen there, right? And especially yeah. Atlanta, like hey, you better not invite James Harden. <laughs> He'll find his way to Magic City Monday. He'll be in there with Lemon Pepper Lou, little baby. You know? <laughs> Yo, up? and you know, you know how you know how crazy the parties get yeah. for these weekends. Yeah. Yeah. Even this past weekend for the Super Bowl. I it know. was insane. I know, I know, I saw. Like it's saw. it's it would it would just be a huge headache. Mm-hmm. And honestly, any smart, any wise man avoids the problem before even getting to it. Why deal with something if you don't have to? Uh, based on the all-star voting last time I checked, uh, Kevin Durant was leading the East with 2.3 mil, and LeBron was Makes leading sense. the West with 2.28 million. And Makes sense. somebody that was on the top of the board, uh, in a sense, like I guess you would say like maybe the top 15 for the all-stars, was um, Colin Sexton from Cleveland Cavaliers. And that man is going off for the Cavaliers this season. He has been a walking bucket for them. Definitely uh, having a season. For I think himself. we talked about it last last episode. He single handedly held Brooklyn off to win the game. Um, so what does this say? Does Colin Sex is this going to show that some of the young bulls in the league are going to get their flowers early and get some All Star nods in, or are we going to have to wait until they can really prove themselves, uh, like we've done in the past? I wouldn't be surprised. Well, I wouldn't be surprised if he got the nod because it's fan voting. Mm-hmm. Um, but there is other players on that ballot who are better than him and who are more proven than him. But he's a young guy, so for that reason, people might just vote him in just because, and also because of what he did. Yeah. Right. No, that's good. Yeah, if you're, if, I don't know. I just feel like it's it's time for it's time for them to start, uh, you know, giving some of these younger players these all star nods because they have the potential to put on a really good game. Like we've seen them in their rookie showcases, we've seen them in the Rising Stars and the World Chat Games and stuff like that. So seeing them on the biggest stage of them all would be even better. I'm not saying that it, it's it's all one weekend. I get it. It makes no sense, but I want to see them on the big stage, not the little stage. No, absolutely. Yeah. Playing playing against the other cream of the crop, top tier NBA players. Yeah, yeah. Now the real question is, now the real question is, if they do this All Star game, are we getting our celebrity game? Are we gonna no, get Kevin Hart celebrity versus no so Kevin Hart's retired. He's he's done. <laughs> he says that every year. He says that every yeah. year. <laughs> But he's retired. Until they show him the check, and then yeah. he's like, ah, I'll come down to wherever you're at. Yeah. No, honestly, uh, I miss the celebrity game. Uh, I miss it especially in 2K because that was fun. I remember the last time they had it was in 2013. And shout out to Justin Bieber because that man won me a lot of games with that shot. That shot was broken. But yeah, um, They had the gonna... celebrities in 2K? Yeah, man. You could go in blacktop. I was not aware of this. Just... Yo, it 2K was, used to oh actually God, be a good yo. video game. Once upon a time, <laughs> yo, 2K, 2K was, was a good video game. 2K was a great video Up until 2K, now? 2K 16 was the, like the one of the last good ones. One of the last good ones. And then ever since then, now it's just, just been... hanging on for dear life. Yeah, hanging on a thread. But um, we're going to jump over to some NHL. Uh, so we got a couple of things to talk about. First thing I want to mention is trouble in Columbus, boys. What is going on in the city of Columbus? 
I mean, you got Torts over there in the hot seat. Patrick Line comes in, be something in the water. gets gets outshined <laughs> by Jack Roslevic, and then he gets benched. Uh, like what? what is, and then Miko Koivu retires seven games in. If nobody knew, Miko Koivu. I'll tell you what's going on. It's a circus. Yeah, well, uh, it's a bad one because if you have, I don't know, Miko Koivu announces retirement after 16 NHL seasons. He played seven games with Columbus and 1,028 with the Minnesota Wild, recording 711 points in 1,035 career games, uh, 200 goals, 500 assists. So kudos to Koivu. Uh, probably uh, sucks he couldn't get the chip, but, you know, definitely a record holder within the Minnesota Wild organization for a very, very, very long time. I think he leads their entire organization in stats, like from games played to points, everything you could think yeah, of. Yeah, he was their captain. I think he's their longest-serving he, captain as well. Yeah, he was their captain from, like, 2009 to 2020. And I don't know who their captain is now. I think it's Parise. Parise is suitor, I would expect. I mean, yeah, you signed him for 13 years. has to be one of them, right? <laughs> but um, in, in, in terms of Columbus, like, it's just a fire sale there. I, I mean, mean yeah. you started with Dubois. Mm-hmm. Now you get Line A. Line A scores in his first game or one of his first games. Now he's getting benched. Mm-hmm. And rumor has it, Torts is once out. Like you said, yep, yep, and that's why he's doing all these. Um, he's making all these crazy moves, like benching his stars. I just, uh, I don't know. Maybe yeah. I can. Maybe he's, I can like, shed light maybe he's a bench. Okay. According to reports, I'm seeing um, he got benched for that game because he mouthed off to an assistant coach. My ass. So I think so I my think, language, but no I think way. If, if that's the report, if that's the report, and we're going to believe the report, um, and he mouthed off to an assistant coach, I can see it just be Torts laying down the law, breaking in the new guy, going, "Hey, you can't do that. You're sitting your ass down." Maybe you could. Yeah, maybe you could have done that in Winnipeg, but not here. Yeah, it's Torts yeah. we're talking I, about here. Torts doesn't take uh, it. For, this is this is the first I'm hearing this. This is the first you've brought it to light for me. And that's understandable. Like you can't walk into a new locker room, new team, and conduct yourself like that. Yeah. And now I'm just looking at something else. Talked it over, and they're moving on. Yeah, I'm just looking towards declines to get into what led to Patrick Line not playing the last 26 minutes the other night, but does says does say this. Uh, the thing I want to clear up was I don't like the light that he's been shed in by a number of media outlets saying that he doesn't work hard enough or whatever was written. He's a competitor. He's going to be a huge part of this team. But I'm not going to get into what happens. This stuff happens every day, too. And is at, and as I said, it was cleared up right away in our room before players left after the game. So, I mean, hopefully we can move past this and trouble in Columbus won't be uh, here for too long. But Cam Atkinson also said, if you're not giving 100% and look like you're trying, tort and look like you're not trying, Torts is going to sit you. It's no secret. It goes for everybody, myself included. I've been that guy plenty of times. So, I don't know. Former players also saying the same thing. I see Carlo Koliakovo saying, say what you want about Torts. No other coach has the stones to bench star players like what he's doing. But it's clear to the players like Atkinson and other players who have played for Torts who understand and play hard or don't play, and I respect that. Seems pretty simple. Uh, I mean, hopefully nothing like this goes on for too long and we could see Columbus maybe sweep Tampa Bay again in another playoff series. Before it's too late. As long um, as they don't play Toronto, that's all. As long as they don't play Toronto, yeah. So, what if he continues on. this to get traded again? To who? Well, I was, I was also reading. No, I was also reading that Torts is benching all these players because he doesn't want to be in Columbus. He's trying to get fired. He wants out. But right, that's so. that's a far fetched report. So we'll, I will have pretty, to wait to see. Yeah. But is Torts uh, that petty on. though? I feel like Torts is just more like I want out. Bye. Like well, I don't know if he goes to that length to get fired. I feel like he just quit. He's a straight up guy. Yeah, I can see that. I can see that. Yeah, I'm saying the report's pretty far fetched. So well, that's why rumors until... are so interesting. I guess I know. I know gossip is so much fun. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> moving on to our next NHL segment, uh, the Leafs are showing that they are a powerhouse this season. 
without a doubt, they are one of the most fearful teams in the league uh, by far. And I'm not saying this on a biased point of view. All stats, they're a powerhouse of a team. Um, they're going up against Montreal tonight, which is second in our division. Uh, let me just double check where they are in the league. Fourth in the league. So this is a big, big game. What do you guys think is going to happen tonight? And why do you think the Leafs have been playing so good? I think we were talking a little bit about this the other night during the game. But um, why do you guys think the Leafs are going so good? Like, what is going on? What's in the water in Toronto? Well, the new additions are helping big time. Um, and then you got your our staple star players playing to their potential, if not exceeding mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. New additions like unfortunately Wayne got injured, but Wayne was putting up. He was starting to actually help offensively and he got boosted up to the second line until he broke his wrist. Um, You got our fourth line chipping in with Spezza and Boyd. Those two together are quite lethal. Um, And then Patan came in the other night and the night Spezza got a hat trick and he he was unreal too. His his sauce over to Spezza for Spezza's second goal. Yeah, was I saw that. Disgusting. That was... I can watch that a hundred times over. And yeah. then, like I just mentioned, you got your fourth line center getting hat tricks for you. Like, how many teams can say that? So you and then Matthews leads the league with eleven goals on pace for the Rocket. Closest is Toffoli with nine. Marner is top three in assists. And then you got Morgan Riley, who's top four in points among defensemen. There's a bunch of defensemen up there with 11 points, but and he's one of them. The only higher ones are Quinn Hughes with 17. Um, Quinn Hughes with 17. Uh, Petri, Petrie, sorry, with 14. McCarr, 12. And Hedman with 12. So when you got your big guns firing on all cylinders – it's pretty hard to lose, and especially the fact that they're defensively responsible now. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah. it's a big it's cl- addition. It's clinical at some time. It's a big addition I... having Bogosian and TJ Brody on the back end, just watching them work sometimes True. in the corner and their poise, uh, being able to push the, the offense to the outside and stuff is just amazing. But sorry, Corey, continue with what you were going to say. I, don't I, I just wanted to say, um, I think I can sum up everything that about this team this season um, in one three-letter word, and that is F-U-N, fun. Fun. Like, the team looks like they – like the players, Matthews, Marner, Spezza, uh, Wayne Simmons, uh, Riley, all of them, they all look like they're having fun for a change. <laughs> very, like, very true. The last three years we have watched and seen them struggle and kind of – get into this mental state where, you know, they know they're good enough, but they just think they can't beat some of these teams. And now they're actually going out there and just going, okay, we got this. Cause they know they had, they got this. Right. And yeah. They don't have to worry I, I just, about their back end. You think that has something somebody. to do with Sheldon Keefe? The yes. Keefe of yeah. I think, I think what the Maple Leafs did is kind of what the Raptors did. In a sense, uh, they fired Dwayne Casey, and then they got a chip out of it right after with Nick Nurse. They're firing Mike Babcock, and they're reaping the benefits of what the team can actually do with somebody who gives them the offensive tools or the um, the, uh, the the other thing too. Just the other thing too. They picked up the um, the former Vancouver assistant coach, who's now the offensive coordinator or the special teams coordinator for the Leafs. He works on the power play. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, something Hextall. He, I, know, I know it's not Ron, but it's something. I can't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's I can't remember his name. They were talking Haxel. about him. Yeah, yeah Dave Hexel. Thank you. Yes, Mandela said it. Dave Hexel. Okay. Because they were talking about. Uh, they also picked game. up Manny Malhotra. Yeah, as yeah. a coach. Yeah, so he's a I'm, really he's I'm a good say, young coach. I I heard of this on Sportsnet. So the Leafs uh, assign <laughs> a lot of their assistant coach to a team, right? Of in the North Division. Um, and, you know, obviously they assigned Manny Maholtra to study the Vancouver Canucks. And he also, I think, works with the power play unit. So he studied their power play. And that's why I think we've had such an effective power play. Like, I was seeing on Sportsnet that we have, like, three different, like, set plays. Like, we have the cross seam, the swing, 
and then basically we have like a freestyle play that just always works like they you just put all your best guys out there and obviously it's just going to work but yeah, it happens so just bad. that good it's just yeah. good like, no but <laughs> like, good. Go. like no but looking at it like the way it works is just like it, it, it's like a piece of art it's just amazing have you guys paid attention to their set face off plays I know that's getting a little bit like in like way in depth in depth not but necessarily they have but about have they have about tonight. three or four different face off plays and they've scored off of them quite a ton this season. And it's something we were talking about Manny Malhotra. Him as a center, that was one of his things he liked to do during his career. So he yeah. came in, and I think that's something that has also changed the offensive zone. Like, I'm not saying we didn't have set face-off plays before, but he came in with a different lens. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, they weren't effective. He came in with mm-hmm. a different lens, and he changed it up a bit. Yeah, no, 100%. Um, I'm going to go ahead and read some of these. Okay, I was going to say, uh, I'm just going to read a couple of these stats that I have here, uh, just revolving around the Maple Leafs and some Austin Matthews stuff. So, among players to debut with the Maple Leafs, Austin Matthews tied Charlie Conacher in 294 games played for the second fewest games to collect his 300 career NHL point. The only NHL player to do in fewer is Sly Apps in 284 games played. So that's insane. Wait, that's pretty wide. Only player, or no, I guess Maple Leafs wide. I guess Maple Leafs wide. The only player to do so in fewer was Lyaps. Um, still, yeah, still, 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 still apps. Okay, okay, okay. Sorry, still. Sly would be a sick name though. I'm a Sly guy. Sly. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Hold on. Let me look for this other one. I mean, Austin Matthews extended his goal streak to seven games. I think now eight. Uh, so he's tied or he's, yeah, maybe not, no, eight, eight goals here. Yeah. Uh, only two players in the last 25 years have had a longer run of consecutive games played with a goal. That is Timu Solani with 11 and Yamir Yager, uh, with nine. Those are some Hall of Famers right there. Yeah. And then I was also seeing, where is it here? Um... Yeah, the Maple Leafs required 13 or fewer games to reach 10 wins in a season for the fifth time in franchise history. So that's pretty good. Damn. Yeah. This so, might be the year, guys. I hate I this. I hate to. I don't want to jinx it. Knock on everybody. Knock on everybody. I hate to sound like a faithful Leafs fan who always gets their hopes up, but. I know. So, I've been uh, saying. Keep on, might as well I'm, keep on do, going. I so said they in 2013 that the should... Leafs are. Yeah, I said the Leafs got to win a cup by like 2020, like they or else the Shanahan plan is useless. The Shanahan plan is. Yeah. So Bay Street, but, uh, yeah, right. Bay Street, City Hall, City Hall. I mean, the City Hall. Where are we meeting? Where are we meeting? I'm ready to go. I'm I'll be in front of Scotiabank Arena cheering them on. Yeah, <laughs> Scotiabank Arena cheering them on. Yeah, Maple Leaf Square. Uh, we're gonna move into our final segment of the episode and for the NHL point. Pittsburgh has got some new additions for their front office. Uh, these might surprise you, but um, yeah. Do you guys want to? You guys want to talk on this? You guys started off. I wasn't, um, I wasn't surprised I, by the one. Yeah, the first one doesn't surprise me. The second one came out of nowhere. Um, yeah, the first well, one. Which one are you guys counting as first, and which one are you counting as second? So here, I'll tell you right now. Ron Hextall. Ron Hextall, the former Philadelphia Flyers goalkeeper who just wanted to beat up every other goalie in the league, is now the general manager of the Philadelphia Flyers rival, Pittsburgh Penguins. He was also the GM of Philly back uh, in 2014 and 2018, I think, something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was assistant Um, manager for, uh, or assistant GM, uh, not manager. For LA. For LA, yeah, during the cup run in 2012. Yeah. So like it's it's interesting. It's an interesting hire for like because he's such a prominent name in Philly. Like you say Hextall in Philly, mm-hmm. people know who you're talking about. That's a broad street bully right there. And now he's yeah. the GM of their rival. It's such a weird pick. But I Does get bring... it because when he was in Philly, he helped rebuild that franchise to being competitive now. Mm-hmm. Right? He, did a good he job. helped get the prospect cool there. He helped, you know shape it to what it is today. So I think that's what where Pittsburgh is and that's gonna work there. But then the other hire that kind of blindsided all of us was Yeah. Berkey. 
Good old Brian, Brian Burke, Burke. was doing his job with Sportsnet. Oh he left the God. TSN studios. Oh Sportsnet, God. buddy. Sportsnet. He, he was with TSN. Sportsnet. 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 Sorry, he flew the coop. I mean, I'm but looking yeah, at his he's NHL off to resume. hockey. Out. Him and Axel have it. over 50 years in management experience. So that's like really Berkey? cool. Damn. Berkey might he might not seem like the friendliest guy, but I've had personal interactions with him at events before. And I've spoken to him. He's he's just a straightforward guy. And he is a brilliant hockey mind. And some people might not even know this. He went to Harvard and he graduated with a law degree. Hmm. Really? Not know that. He's not. Yeah, he's he's not no, like, Sticking just his demeanor. People, people, yeah. yeah, he's not no slouch. People just, for some reason, when they dislike your demeanor, they dislike you. And they they tend to not... Unless they meet you in person, like they tend to do this from afar, but then when they meet you in person, it changes. Yeah. Like I had that original thought about Berkey, but I like I personally I worked for him at one of his conferences. So he was like technically like my boss. And he he treated everyone, treats everyone with respect, treats everyone as equals. He expects things to be done a certain way and expects a certain standard, which I mean for someone to get to where he is, that's quite obvious. But uh, I I think like that one didn't catch me off guard. I, I was think, the other way around. I think it caught. Oh, I really? think both of them. Yeah, I was the other way around. I think both of them caught. Oh, me I just thought it was guard. a matter of time. I just thought it was a matter of time until he found his way back into the business. See, yeah, but I didn't think Pittsburgh was it. Yeah, see, I thought maybe I thought- maybe not Pittsburgh, but if he was looking for a job and they happened to be the only team calling and he was looking to get back into it. You know why not? True. We're in the middle. We're in the middle of a pandemic. He's not like he's reporting. Like he's reporting a couple times a week on TSN or on Sports Sportsnet. Sorry, I keep saying TSN. He, on Sportsnet, he might as well get himself like you know full time GM job again or president of hockey what? operations. So now he's what president. surprised me. So so something that surprised me was the it was both of them so like Hextall and Burke like I figured Berkey was just gonna stay out and enjoy his retirement in a sense right like to stay in with Sportsnet he was doing really good a lot of the team members liked him I thought he was good he brought like a good offensive mind to the game like when they're talking about stuff um but also it's just like it just it surprised me just because it's Brian Burke like I seen what he did with the Leafs and I mean hopefully it doesn't go that way with Pittsburgh because then that, that means they might win a cup and we don't want them to win a cup but yeah I mean it's just calling me off surprise but I'm looking at his NHL resume he's been in he's he's got he's bounced around a lot so from 1987 to 1992 he was the Vancouver Canucks director of hockey opera uh, he drafted to 90, the Twins yeah yeah in 92 and 93 he served as the Hartfield Whalers general manager for that one year uh, then in 93 to 98, he was the NHL executive vice president and director of hockey operations, serving directly to, uh, Batman. yeah, thank you. I didn't want to say the man's name because, you know, he brings bad luck. And then 1998 <laughs> to 2004, he was the Vancouver Canucks general manager, uh, 2005 to 2008. He won the Stanley cup of 2006 with the ducks, but he was their general manager for that tenure. And then we caught the Berkey bug from 2008 to 2013 when he was the Toronto Maple Leafs president and general manager. Man, this guy's bounced around. I'm getting tired reading this. 2013 to 2018, Calgary Flames president of hockey operations. And now 2021, Pittsburgh. He's only been out of a job for a year. That's not that bad. Hmm. No, a couple years. In terms of NHL, NHL front office job, that is. Yeah, 2018 was his last front office job. So... And I mean, if you count if you count the delayed season, it only counts as one season. I guess. I think. Maybe. One of those two. Maybe we'll just say one season. But either way, yeah. big <laughs> big surprise. Um, hopefully everything goes well. Uh, but yeah, I I mean, definitely got to wait and see how this turns out. Well, hopefully he can turn it around and help Crosby, like, you know, get some – and Malkin, get some pieces around him. I think he trades so. Malkin. <laughs> I think, think he trades so? Malkin. Because yeah. he's Russian? No, just because, <laughs> like, Malkin's got good upside still. He can help a team out, and they can get some younger picks. They want to get younger. 
Malkin is struggling. We'll have to wait but, and see. Yeah, but Pittsburgh's but he made a joke saying, yeah, Pittsburgh himself is struggling. Berkey said, do you remember back in the lottery in 04, I just missed on Sydney, Sydney Crosby? Well, now I got Sydney Crosby. It's good to be here. <laughs> Get out That's of here. That's the kind of guy he is, man. He's always cracking jokes, I'm telling you. He's Get out guy. of here. I know. Oh, I'm, good, I'm not even kidding. He's just like, like, yeah, he's just a good guy, man. All right. Well, hopefully. I don't have anything bad to say about him. I don't have anything bad except what he did to our team. And maybe he did something good. Maybe he did something bad. But I just he drafted like Morgan Riley. Beliefs. That's yeah. the one good. Now, what did he do? What else did he do? And then did he sign Dion uh, Phaneuf or trade for Dion Phaneuf? I hated that move. Which was yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> put us in truculence. Put us in a, we in need a serious, truculence. Put us in a serious I, situation with that one. Okay. Well, no, it that was known as you resign him, right? Huh? His favorite Truculence. word is truculence. <laughs> I've never heard him say that. I really? Never heard oh, that. I've hey, heard it many times. Quit, anyway. quit goofing off. When get he's started. referring to it, when he's referring to a hockey team, he's like, "This team ha- either has or they don't have it." Oh mm-hmm. man. Well, I won't be able to hear that anymore because he's not on Sportsnet. It's on. <laughs> quit goofing around. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyways, uh, we're gonna uh, end the episode there. Uh, episode four is wrapped up and we will catch you guys next week. So thank you for tuning in. Um, if you guys want to say your goodbyes, you could say goodbye. I don't have to be the only one to say it. Thanks for tuning in guys. Join us same time next week. We'll bring you guys some more good information, good topics, good stories. Always a pleasure. Always fun.